Hey everybody, welcome to episode 29 of the Snake in the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Vines. You can find me on Twitter at jsnake underscore dff. So this episode right here is going to be a listener question episode slash some like interesting thoughts I've had about just Dynasty in general. And uh, with these listener question episodes, I'm going to go ahead and just make them unedited pretty much unless there's like really crazy long pauses or any weird sounds. So you can just hear my full thought process and hear me stumble along. So I'm going to go ahead and get into the first question, and it was, what would you look to trade high upside backup running backs for in Dynasty? Thinking about players such as Madison, Pollard, Snell. So with this one, it was an interesting question because – these high upside running backs are high upside. So if I'm a contending team, I would tend to hold on to Madison and Pollard. Snell's not someone I'm super high on. I like James Conner a lot, and I don't see Snell taking his job away. I know some people were really crazy on Twitter and really thought he would, but I'm not quite there yet. So I think Madison and Pollard are a hold. Now, if you're a uh, team that's in a rebuild, I would also hold them and try to get a big payday for them as well. So that's the first question that I have. And then the next one is, what is Evan Ingram's worth in a two PPR tight end premium dynasty league? So I'm guessing this is PPR, like normal two flex spot and a tight end spot, relative meaning that his worth is either a comparable player. So comparing it to a player or maybe like a 2021 draft pick. So Evan Ingram in a two PPR tight end premium league is actually pretty valuable in my opinion. I have Evan Ingram currently ranked as my tight end five, which I may be bumping Noah Fan over him, but he's still in the top six tight ends, which is very valuable in a dynasty league. Now, some people will say, is his production actually equaling what he's doing? And Evan Ingram's actually been playing pretty well recently. He's currently doing, like last week, he had 12.5 regular PPR points, six receptions for 65 yards. So in a two PPR league, that'd be 18.5 points, which is a solid week, especially if you can start a tight end in the flex. Because I'm in a half PPR that goes to a full PPR league for tight ends, like a tight end premium. And I'm actually starting a tight end and two tight ends in my flex because I'm very tight end heavy in that league. And it's worked well. I actually won my first week. I'm technically in more of a rebuilding, retooling phase because I drafted for 2021. But I don't know. I picked up Miles Gaskins, and it looks like I may be able to make something happen. So I would say that Evan Ingram's value is probably somewhere close to like the 1.06-ish in a 2021 draft i'd say player wise it gets a little bit tougher because he does have that injury concerns uh, i do think he can be healthy this whole year i would say one player that would be pretty close to his value is going to be someone like a little bit higher than leonard fournette a little bit lower than terry mclaurin sort of in that range uh, i'd say he should be a top or a five, fifth round pick ish so around 40 players ish depending on your league um and it's just one of those things that you have to just see what you believe and what you think, because this is my own perception. I've always been really high on Evan Ingram. And so I'm going to be one that I will rank him a little bit higher. Now, my next point that I want to talk about is this is a question that I'm asking myself because I want to look at dynasty as objectively as possible. And my, th my statement question was I'm struggling with the best way to balance dynasty value from the off season to in season stats, changing that value. So value obviously needs to change if someone has a good couple of weeks, I'd say probably three weeks or so, but what is the best way to reduce risk and increase reward? How do you look at dynasty player value? So this was a question and I've been thinking about this question, especially related to the comments and for me, I think it depends on if you're a contending team versus a rebuilding team versus that middle tier team. So if you're a contending team, I actually think these players like the James Robinsons and Gardner Minshews are players that you should look to target and grab. Now, I'm not saying go out and spend a 2021 first on James Robinson, which that means that I'm saying don't get him because there's no way you can get him any cheaper than that. But if you have James Robinson on your team, 
hold him for all it's worth because he can help you win this year. Now, in a rebuild, I want stability. That's what I want on my team. I want players that I know will maintain their value over the next year to two years, depending on the rebuild, because there's one rebuild that it should just take a year, so it's more of a retool, versus there's one rebuild that was a massive rebuild. I'm in my first year with the team right now, and I think it'll take another couple of years to really feel like I'm a solid contender, because I don't want to be just middle of the road, because um, I jumped a rebuild a little bit early, and I actually had Christian McCaffrey. I did a trade of Christian McCaffrey. I traded away J.K. Dobbins, Austin Eckler, and Matthew Stafford for Christian McCaffrey because I thought that would help me get to the next step. And then you know what happened? Darius Slayton, uh, not Darius Slayton, Darius Geis ended up you know having his stuff, so he left. Christian McCaffrey is now hurt. Cortland Sutton is also hurt. So you know what my team is? It's like a fringe playoff team, and I just hate myself for doing that trade because if I would have just been patient, then who knows what could have happened because then you know you don't have Christian McCaffrey and you look back, but. I, at the time, it seemed smart to me. It seemed like it was pretty good value for Christian McCaffrey. But at the same time, I'm sort of leaning towards with those elite assets, recycling them. And so like doing like a Christian McCaffrey and receiving back something like uh, AJ Brown and JK Dobbins, you know, something like that, that most people would be like, I mean, yeah, it's pretty even. But with JK Dobbins, his value can only go up really. Like he's currently my dynasty RB 11. And I could see him jumping into that RB six range. If he gets the Ravens full workload, which we'll see, he hasn't done fantastic so far, but um, part of that's just him receiving the, the snaps and being able to just run the ball more often. Um, but with, players like that you end up you know you may lose out on Christian McCaffrey and if you can keep like I know AJ Brown may not be the best example because he's hurt but if you can keep a player that will be close enough to replacement value and then have a player that can be bumped up and increase value throughout then your dynasty value increases year to year and you just keep doing that over and over again and this is something I'm going to be trying a lot more I don't do it enough and that's what I think everybody should be doing. You should be thinking about what strategies do you use year after year that seem to work and what's something that you do that does not help you. And it ends up actually hurting your teams because I joined a lot of dynasty leagues this year and I'm starting to notice that with some of my teams, you have to play this weird balance, especially in a super flex league, because you need to have those solid quarterbacks. So I lean more towards like the John Hogue strategy, actually, of going very quarterback heavy. And I've had Christian McCaffrey as my dynasty overall super flex player, number one. But I'm realizing that, you know, all it takes is one little injury. Then I'm looking at Christian McCaffrey like, yeah, he's still number one because he'll come back. But I would sure as heck rather have Patrick Mahomes because I'm not worried about him next year versus Christian McCaffrey. If he has a bum ankle that ends up holding him back for quite a while, like maybe five to six weeks, his value will decrease versus if you have someone like a Patrick Mahomes, like he's already like the number one, you know, from last year, he actually played really well. Again, Lamar Jackson, someone also that I think needs to be in that discussion. So I'm definitely leaning towards more of the John Hogue QB extreme strategy of get at least two to three starting quarterbacks in the first four rounds and then figure it out from there. Because this year has shown that if you can find the right players to add, like if you got lucky enough to add a James Robinson and you went QB extreme strategy, then your running backs are probably doing fine. You probably have like a James Robinson and David Montgomery. And you're like, oh, this is nice. Or even like Miles Gaskin. There's one league to where I went QB extreme, but this is really just because everybody let the QB position fall and I just couldn't take it anymore. So I ended up with Carson Wentz, which I just seem to be defending on Twitter. Everybody seems to hate him right now. A lot of people want a Gardner Minshew over him, which I don't understand. I have Matthew Stafford. Baker Mayfield, Tua Tagovailoa, Sam Darnold. So I actually had two more QBs that I drafted that I traded away for good value. And so my running backs, I traded for Leonard Fournette. And this is actually pre 
getting dropped off the Jags. And I was really excited about him. And now I'm starting to get a little bit more excited. I think this week is going to be a disappointment for a lot of people because a lot of people are going to think he's going to take that job all the way. I'm not expecting that, but my other running backs right now are like Chris Thompson, Kerryon Johnson, JD McKissick, Rex Burkett, Gus Edwards, uh, Hasty and Huntley. Like you hear those names, you're like, yeah, you'll, you'll start Leonard Fournette. And then I have Miles Gaskin who I picked up. And so that's what I was going to go with. I went on a little tangent here, but Miles Gaskin, so when I picked up, and I think I can win more games now with Miles Gaskin because my other team, like, you know, my starters right now are Wentz, Gaskins, Fournette, and then I have McLaurin, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, TJ Hawkinson, Hunter Henry, Mark Andrews, and then Matthew Stafford. And one player I'm actually going to add into my lineup over one of those tight ends is Noah Fant. Uh, he's been dominating, and I need to put him in my lineup, and I just noticed that I didn't. So good thing I'm looking over my lineup right now. So with this QB extreme strategy, to me, I feel very comfortable going into next year. I also have a ton of draft picks, which it's sort of like a weird productive struggle type punt thing going on for me. Um, It's sort of funky, and I wouldn't recommend it for everybody because I don't think you should every single year do a productive struggle where you just trade back, trade back, trade back. I think the better way to do it is to move your first round pick, unless if you have like the 1.01 and 1.2 and are not getting a solid offer, and then maybe draft quarterback. But in general, you know, move that first round pick back and then acquire a rookie pick because everybody's seeing this year, especially because last year the running backs did relatively healthy, but this year we're seeing guys drop left and right. And so for me, I end up trading for, I have five 2021 first in this league. And this league is one of the ones that I'm more proud of because I did a really good job of staying balanced and really focusing on, you know, getting those high upside wide receivers. And I even have like Jalen Rager on my team, Brian Edwards, uh, I ended up picking up Keelan Cole as well. And then, as I mentioned before, I have Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, and Terry McLaurin. And with all those players, you know, you hear those names, you're like, man, your team's pretty stacked. And I would say, yes, it is. But at the same time, I'm still like a running back or two away from really being that top end competing team. But at the same time, I have so many 2021 first that I'm not really worried about not competing. My goal is to compete right now. And I'm actually trying to require a couple of running backs if possible. A lot of people are being difficult in this league, but hey, that's understandable. People don't want to move their guys. I understand it. So this is a tale of in dynasty startups. What I'm planning on doing in the future is doing the QB extreme strategy and focusing on getting at least two to three of those high upside guys, because I want stability at my quarterback position and I only play super flex dynasty. So if you don't, I'd recommend at least trying it because it makes you look at quarterbacks completely differently. And it also helps you find different values. Like that's why I like start to dine in for some of those. I don't plan on joining any others anymore because start to dine in does mess with league parity. And I've heard Scott fish talk about it. And I was actually like, no, you're wrong. And then I started looking at more talking with other people. And I've noticed that more of a steeper tight end premium, like the league that I was talking about is point uh, half PPR for everybody, except for it's another 0.5. So full PPR for tight ends. And that's a nice balance I like because if you get one of those high upside tight ends, like I have Mark Andrews, Hunter Henry, TJ Hawkinson, you can start all of them. And I'm getting enough points, you know, win weeks. I'm one and one right now. I was expecting to be like, oh, and 13, you know, but uh, that's where I'm leaning more towards, you know, super flex tight end premium. Like, you know, someone I talked about a lot is Logan Thomas, and he doesn't have a ton of dynasty value right now, but he can help your team win, especially in a tight end premium league that does that much with the targets that he's receiving. So with all these different types of ways you can do it. I know I went off on a tangent again, but with super flex, you end up looking at quarterbacks differently. 
and you notice year after year, you want stability. Like, you don't want to have your only quarterbacks be Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers. Like, yeah, you'll probably be okay for 2020. 2021, you may have one starting quarterback. And now you may be saying, why do I want a starting quarterback? Well, quarterbacks, first of all, score very um, similar points versus other quarterbacks. So they have a higher total versus the others. And the reason I focus on stability in Dynasty is, I, you know, I said they have similar points. But if you have stability, then you're not worried about year after year losing your quarterback. Because once you lose a quarterback, like I said, you end up having less points if you don't start a quarterback in your super flex. And then you're starting to worry about, okay, what if I only have one quarterback? Like I need two to start, but their value is so inflated that you're going to have to go for a guy like a Ryan Fitzpatrick for a reasonable price. And he could get benched the next week. You just never know. Or Tyrod Taylor, he could have his lung punctured by his doctor. Like you just never know in dynasty. And we're seeing that this year a ton. And I will say I'm really glad that COVID hasn't been a huge factor, but injuries have, which sucks because you never want to see anybody get hurt. So with my current strategy, again, I'm going to do a full recap right now that in Superflex Dynasty, with what I've been thinking, I want to focus on getting high upside, safe quarterbacks. And I also want to get those, you know, a couple of running backs that may have some high upside, like uh, Le'Veon Bellashier or someone I like, and he got on IR. And it made me very sad in a lot of leagues. And then get some decent wide receivers. And if you're doing a tight end premium, get some solid tight ends. Tight ends for me and tight end premium are something that are <clears throat> typically undervalued. And that's something that you can really get a good value on. And that's how you look at like, you know, BBD, value-based drafting, and see where those tight ends are, are lining up with every other position. So that's how I'm thinking about doing my super flex strategy from now on. So now going back to the question, because again, I went on a tangent. So I was struggling with, you know, how do you look at dynasty player values? Like, so James Robinson, he has been dominating. He has been killing it. He was the RB31 in week one. Then he was the RB8 last year. And if I looked at his points and looked at, took it back to week two, he's currently with 28 or half PPR fantasy points, the RB3 from week two. And it's like, man, that is crazy. He is dominating. But do I want him on my team? For 2021 first, I'm good. I really am good. I know people say you should win. There's other people I'd want for a 2021 first. I'd rather David Montgomery easy, and I think you could get that. I'd rather pay two 2021 seconds for James Conner than a 2021 first for Robinson. And I think Robinson and Conner are in very similar territories because James Conner played well last week, and he is someone that can actually, you know, do the same things that Robinson is doing, and but he's cheaper because everybody looks at him like, oh, he's this guy who's very injury-prone, this and that, and Sure, he has certain circumstances where he gets injured, and, you know, everybody does. It's not that crazy, you know. People get hurt, and that's just fantasy football in general. Like, if I look back to last week, you know, James Conner at 19.1 fantasy points. Like, that's a pretty solid week and a half BPR, you know. Like, it's not, like, crazy low. It's not crazy high, but that's pretty good. Like, that was good enough to be the uh, RB10 that week, you know. Like, yes, that was lower than James Robinson, but only by 0.4. That's not that crazy. You don't have to pay for this young guy. And someone posted on Twitter that, oh, well, James Robinson's really young, but you should want him on your team. I disagree with that statement 100% because James Robinson does not have stability. Age does not matter to me as much as stability. So, like, age for high uh, draft-picked running backs, yes, I think that can matter some. 
but honestly, it's the talent of the player overall and the stability. And James Robinson, he was an undrafted free agent. And in general, those players that are very late round draft picks or undrafted free agents do not hit and do not stay around. So it's your risk tolerance, really. It's how you look at these players and you're thinking, oh, I know they're going to happen. Because let's say you send a 2021 first for James Robinson. James Robinson plays three fantastic weeks, and then you have the, the running back Armstead come back, and he starts taking work away, and then you miss the playoffs. Now you're looking at your team, you're like, I don't have my 2021 first. I have this guy who is splitting carries with Armstead. Like, what's up with that? And this and that. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's something to think about because we go into the season so certain. If you had Saquon, CMC, Godwin, and Cortland Sutton, I bet you felt fantastic going into the season, and now you're probably 0-2. Like, and it's just bad luck, and it sucks. But at the same time, you just have to realize that you we don't know what's going to happen. Like, that 2021 first, I'm leaning towards in any Dynasty startup, I'm holding on to my 2021 first. Because there's one league that I'm so glad I held on to my 2021 first because I drafted awful. I drafted Devin Singletary. Horrible move. Or no, it wasn't Devin Singletary. It was Carrion Johnson. Like, I drafted Carrion Johnson be like, oh, they're not going to draft a running back. Oh, look, they drafted Swift. You know what? That actually made sense. Why did I do that? I also drafted Jacoby Brissett. It was right before Rivers was signed. So I was like, oh, you know, they won't sign Rivers. That's all smoke. It wasn't smoke. And then I had to make a trade, and I traded away Michael Thomas for OBJ and two – or no, it was Kenny Galladay and two 2020 first. And, you know, I'm actually – you know, that trade worked out for me. But the first ended up with Justin Herbert, and then it was David Montgomery. So I like that trade overall, but my team is awful. My quarterbacks are Trubisky, Sam Darnold, and Justin Herbert, which there's potential there. But, like, I am – I'm tanking hard. And you may say, oh, you're tanking. What does that mean? Well, with tanking, I am making trades to make it to where my younger assets are improved or I get draft picks without having players that are going to score a lot of points. And you may say, well, that's not right, this and that. But I think that's how you should play Dynasty. You don't want to be middle of the pack. You want to either be first – or you want to be last. And there's been a couple of these I've looked at where I thought I was going to be last because I've been, I'm, my starting running backs are like uh, Damian Harris, who's on IR, Rex Burkhead, and maybe like Tony Pollard. You know, like I was like, oh, it'll be easy. But I stocked up on some high end tight ends, and my potential points is now it's second worst. So it's not quite there. But you want to focus on, especially you should do potential points for all of your leagues, especially if you're going to be harping on tanking. Just get rid of the temptation. Do potential points. And then, like right now, the reason I decided to blow up my team is I actually was using the Dynasty Nerds contender and uh, Dynasty rankings, and I was last place for both. And I was like, yeah, I'm being way too optimistic about this team. Like I had Le'Veon Bell and he got hurt, so I'm currently holding until he has some value. So Always be flexible. Don't get stuck in your own head thinking, I can make this work. Because the odds are you can't because there's 11 other people that are thinking the same exact thing. And probably over half have a team better than yours. Unless you drafted well, which that can be the case. But that's what you should be thinking in dice. You shouldn't be thinking, oh, I can figure it out. I'm smarter than everybody else. Because we don't know what's happening. We had James Robinson come out and be the RB8 or this. If we use week two, the RB3 in week three already. He may even be higher depending on how everybody else's plays. But, like, we don't know. And it's freaking wild because, you know, we look at all these stats. I post all these threads, this and that. And then James Robinson comes up. And he's someone I didn't get in a single dynasty league. Part of it was because I'm in some deep leagues that do roster, like, these players that, like, James Robinson, that have high upside. But, like, other ones, I just completely ignored him. And I was just like, you know what? Nah, I don't, I don't think it'll be him. I think it'll be Armstead or Ozibo. Ozigbo, I think was his name. Um, 
and boy was I wrong. Luckily, I ended up with him in a couple of redraft leagues, which you know it's it's nice to have. But at the same time, that's not dynasty to where like if my my league that I ended up having awful or really good quarterbacks and awful running backs, if I had James Robinson on this team, oh man, I'd be a contender and I'd be pushing hard to win the whole thing year one with all my rookie picks. And I'd hold on to my rookie picks and just see what happened, honestly. So pretty much this whole thing is me just talking just without a script at all and just saying be flexible with your leagues and also look at value a little bit differently. Like don't be focusing on age. Age should not be a huge factor. Now it can be, you know, if you have AJ Brown versus Julio Jones, like, yeah, I think you should go AJ Brown. But we talk about the two to three year window. And I think that's important to look at dynasty. So age is not a huge factor in that. You're like, Oh, James Robinson's super young. You know, he's, he's what 21 right now. And it's just like that to me, it doesn't matter because you know, what could happen. I think his ceiling is Devin Singletary, like Devin Singletary, you know, he had a decent year. He had Frank Gore holding the back a little bit. So, you know, that may have been concerning for Devin Singletary, but then the next year, you know, everybody's like, Oh, he'll be the guy. And then Zach Moss gets drafted. He's a third round pick. Who's to say James Robinson, you know, he played well. He's a six, he was an undrafted free agent. The Jaguars are looking at him like, yeah, he played well, but like, why don't we get someone in to help him out? And then now in Dynasty, you have a committee back who's getting at least maybe 40 to 50% of the opportunities, especially if they keep a back like a Chris Thompson that is actually getting right now 30% of the running back opportunities. Like, it's crazy how much Chris Thompson is being worked in, but you can't get super like zoned in. And you just have to keep a cool head. And that's one thing that's been tough for me because we just want to react, 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 especially if you're on Twitter, like I am, I'm all over Twitter. You all know this. And it's really easy to really just react, 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 <clears throat> but you have to keep a cool head. Like one thing that uh, actually Shane Swagger at Swagzilla zero G actually had a good thing. And he said, I try my hardest to stay away from the herd mentality. I think that messes up value more than anything. I know some think the herd thing is offensive. It's really not. It's the natural part of being human. But we also need to know where everyone is at to get a gauge. So that's I completely agree. Like it's really easy, you know, hop on a bandwagon and really just be like, oh yeah, that that guy's the guy. Like I definitely believe that. But if he's not, the value increased so high that it just didn't become worth it. Like in a, a potential example is Clyde Everett Lair. I think he had enough usage in week one. And I think he'll bounce it back from week two. But he was going at the RB5, which he's currently that range, but that's because Saquon got hurt. But he was going as the RB5. That's really high. And that was some herd mentality versus Jonathan Taylor was going quite later and had the same amount of upside. So, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, to me, at ADP was the smarter play. And that was just because the herd mentality was not happening. Now, how do you know if you're in the herd mentality? Now, that's the deep question. And I personally don't know the answer. I think the best way is to have discussions with people, either your friends, family, whoever you play fantasy football with. For me, it's Twitter, really talking to people, because if you are getting a ton of people to agree with you, I think you have to start noticing that you're more on the herd mentality um, versus you may be not pushing against the grain as much, which I'm not saying you have to be a jerk. I'm, I, I try to never be a jerk because it, we're playing a game. You know, we're just having fun. We're just trying to think about the best way to do it. And like another thing Shane said I liked is you have to consider how everyone feels or is gauging something, but you also have to be able to continue to think outside of the box. And for yourself, I don't feel I answer, Oh, he said, it, I don't think he answered my question. So and to me, it, it, that's, uh, my thought was, how do you know if you're going in the right box? Like, 
how are you getting away from the box? You know, are you going to the right or the left? Because if you go to the right, you end up getting a player like a, you know, I don't know, like a really, like a bus can, like a Corey Davis. You know, you get Corey Davis on the right. On the left, you get someone like a DK Metcalf. Uh, this is not the best sample. They weren't drafted the same year, but that type of caliber player, you go one way, you get this guy, you go the other way, you get the other guy. And that goes back to risk reward. And I don't think we have all the answers. You can't just watch film and say, oh, this guy's the best because they don't always get the ball. Like I bet if people watch Miles Gaskin, Jordan Howard, and Matt Breida, they would have said, oh, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, hands away. Well, is that happening? That is not happening at all. Gaskin's week one, 46% of the opportunity to share. Gaskin's week two, 48% of the opportunity to share. The next guy was Breida at 31%. Week three, Gaskin's 30, 79% of the opportunity to share. Breida and Howard with 8.8%. No one saw that coming. I didn't see it coming. I was glad I grabbed them in at least one league, but we don't know again. We think we know. We think we know. Like I was calling an Irv Smith breakout this year. I'm almost certain I was wrong. Like I'm almost certain I was wrong. And it it's like, dang it, what I miss? And you know what I missed? I thought I could predict what a team would do whenever they didn't do it the last year because Ersmith was a rookie, so then obviously he'll make the jump the next year. That's not the case for most teams. Most teams stick to what they've done before. They don't make these drastic changes to where, oh, you know, we had Kyle Rudolph here, and, you know, you know, he's a scrub. You know, we should get this young guy the ball more. Probably not. And that's something I need to work on. I need to realize that I cannot predict exactly. And you have to look more at trends. You can't make up your own trends. You can't say, you know what, Irv Smith was 50%. He was a rookie, so that means he'll get more the next year. That is a poor process that I need to work on. Um, uh, we see it all the time. Like, uh, I thought Keyshawn Vaughn wasn't quite as bad, but we see it now. He's not even getting snaps. I don't know if I'd send a 2021 second for him, and that sucks because, like, you know, I was like, Keyshawn Vaughn greater than Rojo for Dynasty. And you know what, now? they're about equal Rojo. Yeah. He'll have a couple more good weeks, but you know, Rojo's value is about gone. Keyshawn Vaughn's value is gone. Fournette's value is slightly increasing in dynasty. Everybody still has a sour taste towards him, but man, it's, it's a tough thing of how do you figure out how to do values? And that's part of the reason I like looking at analytics. And that's why I think James Robinson is not a good bet because analytics has shown that draft capital is the best predictor for fantasy football performance. So that means a player like Clyde Edwards Alaire getting drafted in the first, even though he was only like seven or eight picks in front of Jonathan Taylor, whoever was picked next, maybe J.K. Dobbins. He was picked in the first, and that has shown that that means that he has a higher predictability to hit. Now, a hit, that's just one top 24 season for a running back, which I hope Clyde Edwards Alaire gets that this year. I hope Jonathan Taylor does as well. But we have to look at that as well because that minimizes risk. And minimizing risk is very important. You don't want to be just throwing a ton of risk. You don't want to be going over after like Terry McLaurin. You know, he's an example of a guy that was a late round pick. A lot of people that watch film loved him. A lot of people on the analytics side didn't like him. And if I was really drafting hardcore then and I was really focusing, you know, maybe at his ADP, I would pick him more often. But in general, I was fading him because his draft capital didn't bode well. Now, I think you do have to work on a balance between looking at analytics and film and that's something i plan on working on myself but to me analytics is still greater than film because film is subjective analytics gets into the part that people don't like because it's not as much human it's more robotic and i personally like the robotic side you'll see all my threads i'm very number based i try to throw very little of my opinion around i mean obviously i'm looking at the numbers and making an opinion but I try to show it with the numbers. I don't try to say, I saw this guy do this, watch him do this. Because I bet someone could pull a play and show the complete opposite. So 
<laughs> I'm getting very philosophical right now. And uh, honestly, to recap the whole thing, I think that with players, you have to decide if they're a breakout player like a James Robinson or even like a Gardner Minshew before last week, you have to decide if they're worth it. For me, if I'm rebuilding, I want stability. I don't want to mess with those guys. If I'm if I'm contending and I have them, I'm holding. Now, if I'm contending and I want to buy, I'm not going to pay full price of 2021 first because that's not even full price. That's an excessive price. Now, maybe I'd wait for Robinson to have a bad week. Maybe he won't have a bad week. I'm fine not getting him. I'm completely fine. I'm not worried. I can get someone like a James Conner for cheaper. And with Superflex strategy, I'm going to focus on in Dynasty Superflex, QB heavy to start, go with a couple receivers, some tight ends, and get some running backs. You know, like Dave Montgomery's been a guy I've been touting for a while. He had a decent week last week. Will he continue? I hope so. I expect him to. But at the same time, again, we never know. So <clears throat> with Dynasty strategy again, QB heavy, Get that stability. Because once you lose a QB, like if you had Tyrod Taylor and you're thinking, oh, he'll at least start for four weeks, and then you had two attack of Aloha because you didn't get a Tyrod Herbert stack for some reason, you're now off out of a QB for six weeks, which if you're in a league, like I like five-point protection on negative three for interceptions, and I think that's a good way to balance the scoring a little bit. And with doing a league like that, you're losing out on like five points out of your super flex, if not more, depending on if your guy busts. Like if you start a Keelan Cole and you for some reason put him in your super flex or he was going to be there, but you end up moving his right receiver to be smart, you got two points whenever. I was thinking he'd get at least 10 to 15. You know, he'd been doing well the weeks before. I started him a couple leagues and I'm very disappointed. But at the same time, with him, we should have realized, you know, DJ Tark helps. And if he's not on the field, they're not going to get as much help. That's part of the reason if Julio doesn't play this next week, I'm getting a little nervous about Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley has played well, but Julio helps. So I'm not saying to really bench players. Like I would never bench Calvin Ridley. Russell Gage depends on who you have, but um, you still play your studs. That's where I go most of the time. Like someone sent me a message about should they play Josh Jacobs because he's been banged up. And I said, yeah, I'd play Josh Jacobs. Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I'd play Kenny Galladay. Unless I get like a different report than what I'm expecting, but I don't really expect to get a different report. You know, I expect him to say maybe he's, he's not playing 100%, but who really is right now. Probably not as many people as you think. And uh, last point is just keep thinking, keep really just wondering what is the right process. Don't get stuck. Like I may, you know, I said, you know, analytics over film. I'm not going to get stuck. Like I do plan on, you know, watching people watch film and figure out how they look at players and start focusing in on that because it's something I need to work on. And I think it's a skill that can be helpful because then you can watch a player who may not have or may have a really good profile and you're like, oh yeah, he looks great. Or you watch another play and you're like, oh, that's how I'm gonna make this rank, and that's why I'm gonna say uh JK Dobbins over Swift because I saw this. They uh maybe the the analytics are pretty similar. Maybe they're not. I haven't looked into the exact analytics in a while, but you know, this player showed this, so that's who I want. So again, balance everything out. Don't get tunnel vision. Think outside of the box, but also think critically about what side of the box you're trying to go out of. Don't don't just go one direction because you saw someone go crazy and say this. Like, be critical of how you're thinking. And I know you may be thinking, this is like school talk. Well, I'm also in school, so I'm a little bit crazy. So uh, I just want to thank you all for listening and tuning in. And also make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the Snake and the Drop podcast or listen to podcasts. And I want to again thank you all for tuning in. Let's be snakes this season.